Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Hello, folks. Welcome to Success Movie Rewind. I'm your host, Alex Stevens, and this week we're going to be discussing the 1985 time traveling science fiction classic generational touchstone for many still playing in theater revivals to this day your favorite michael j fox film and mine actually that's not true i like teen mom uh i was about to say teen mom which is one of my favorite reality shows uh, on mtv teen wolf anyway we're getting off track we're getting off the beaten path some may say we're already off the road but you know what i would say to that folks we're talking about Back to the Future. And what that means is that those of you who are complaining about whether or not we're still on the road need to know one thing. Well, we're going, we don't need roads. So folks, that's a great line, obviously. And it's so true for any of us, uh, uh, for all of us interested in personal development or entrepreneurialism, starting a business, uh, making life better in any way that involves upsetting the status quo or doing something a new way. You've got to chart your own course in many ways. And it doesn't mean you're not looking to your mentors and what you've learned in tradition. It, it often means quite the opposite. You're taking everything you've learned in your life until that moment and you're putting it into that pivot. And it's exciting to be off the road. It's exciting to feel like you don't need roads. You don't need anyone to tell you what to do because you have a, a vision and a plan and you're going to execute it. But it's not always that simple. In fact, it's never that simple. And so one of the things that this movie is so good at exploring is the fact that even when you're you're traveling off off the beaten path where you're without a road just because you're you're in the land of no roads does not mean that you are in the land of no responsibility so that would really be my my first takeaway from back to the future no roads doesn't mean no responsibility and in many ways it means that your responsibility is that of a literal trailblazer you're paving a new path for other people to follow whether or not you know who they are or what they might be traveling on that path for. Similarly, whenever you're telling a new story, or especially when you're telling a new story, you literally are weaving new circuitry in your brain. It can be very hard uh, to, to get out of your old circuits and, and grooves in that way, your, your habitual thoughts. But you know, as uh, the book Atomic Habits and, and many others has made clear, if you can make those changes, even if they're, they're very slight, if you make them at the right place in time, they can add up to a new life. And so thinking about this and the, the tension between the desire to get off the path and the responsibility to remember that you're always charting a new path, whether it's just for yourself or whether it's for other people, it reminded me of this concept that I found. I think I saw it. There's an Instagram account. I recommend it if you're into this kind of thing. It's called Depths of Wikipedia. And it just digs up really weird, random Wikipedia articles or just sections of articles. 
And, um, you know, makes a little comment about it in the caption, but really just what it's thinking up is so interesting. And so one of the things, I'm pretty sure this is where I saw it, um, that this account posted was uh, the concept of a desire path or a uh, what they call a desire line in transportation planning. So this is a, a path that is not the formal like footpath, for instance, in a park. It's not a paved, um, you know, driveway or sidewalk or anything like that. It's uh, usually the, the shortest or the most easily navigated route between the origin and the destination. And so you can kind of look at how worn down this path is, you know, it, when you see, uh, like on a college campus, for example, there may be a, uh, a large lawn around a statue that requires people to go around it. And you'll see trails that people have, have forged or blazed, uh, by deciding that they don't respect the statue's lawn space as much as the architects, uh, wanted them to. That's a desire path. So, Basically, uh, according, you know, as Wikipedia says, these, these are shortcuts where the constructed path is like circuitous or it has a gap or it's non-existent. And so really stories to me are always about desire paths. Uh, the main character always has to want something. If the main character doesn't want something, then what the main character wants is to find out either what or how to want. The sequel is about how to try to get it. Uh, but that's really like in, you know, an anti-modern kind of anti-narrative setup. Almost always, every movie we watch on this podcast, I'm almost certain the character will want something. Uh, and as storytellers, we always are trying to circumvent the path in front of us that time and space and the, the limits of movement imposed on us by our bodies um, impose on us. So, you know, we use these... That, these, these concepts of time, space, and movement, the, which are the three unities of drama, I think, according to somebody from ancient Greece. Um, but we, we construct a desire path out of them, and we tell a, a falsified or a simplified tale, uh, a shortcut to a more powerful lesson using the, the tools that art gives us uh, to come in and out of the present moment, drawing on the past and looking to the various futures it may produce. That's a cool power. That's a really, that's fundamentally what it's like to be a human, certainly what it's like to be a leader. Whenever you are interpreting reality for someone else, whenever someone else is listening to your interpretation of reality or acting upon it, that is a serious responsibility. You are explaining to them how they should sometimes subtly, sometimes drastically alter the established pathways in their brain. It's, it's not something to take, uh, to take lightly. And so again, just because where we're going, we don't need roads doesn't mean there won't be roads there pretty soon. And it doesn't mean we don't have something to say about what they look like. That's why we want things to get better. That's why we're interested in improving our own lives. And so I thought it was interesting. Again, spoiler alert, this is a rule of reason spoiler movie podcast. And so if you haven't seen the 1988, I think, sequel, Back to the Future 2. Now's the time, because I'm about to talk about the beginning scene of that movie. Uh, it really reminded me, although the movie had not come out at the time, it 
when I was a kid, I watched Back to the Future 2 a lot. I had not seen the movie Blade Runner, uh, but when they come into the future, they're flying around and the DeLorean is not the only flying car anymore. And it really reminded me of, of what I now know as the classic Blade Runner, futuristic, dark future, noir uh, vibe that kind of tells you we're in the sequel, we're in the, we're in the dark, you know, underbelly of time travel, uh, or that franchise's version of it. But it also reminded me of this movie, the fifth element from the nineties, um, with Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich, uh, and which also involves early scenes with cat flying cabs in the future. And it's like a dingier future than you imagine. Nowadays, if you're really into like movie discussion online, there's a, a lot of discussion about characters that didn't seem to be main characters at the time. And Blade Runner and Back to the Future 2 and The Fifth Element all involve in some way or another uh, a female character who is either maybe or maybe not a robot or an alien uh, or a human. Um, and, you know, that's obvious in the case of Blade Runner where they're dealing with robots and in The Fifth Element where I think she's like an alien, but she's basically like a baby in a woman's body. Uh, and, you know, p people who are smarter than me and, and more informed on the, the current discourse of gender studies have pointed out that that's a little bit of a weird framework to look at from a modern day standpoint, of course, in a post Me Too era. And then you look at Back to the Future, and I meant what I said about are you treating someone as human or not? Because it really is kind of weird when Doc is just like, don't worry about, they take Marty's girlfriend on the ride to the future, uh, but she's like literally passing in and out of consciousness. And Doc's like, you know, nothing weird happens like that, but the, he's very cavalier, like, oh, she'll just wake up and think it was all a dream, which kind of happens, but kind of there's a note of like, does it really? Uh, that, that feels certainly different here in the future, uh, past the 2015 uh, that Back to the Future 2 was set in, which really was when, when the Me Too stuff was, was popping really hard. Um, so it's interesting to think about. And it's, it's interesting to think about these subtle messages that our stories tell. What are we paying attention to? What characters matter? What characters' consciousnesses matter? One of my favorite writers and philosophers is... Martin Buber. Uh, I may be pronouncing that wrong, but that's how I pronounce it in my head. I don't think I've ever actually heard it said out loud. It could be like Buber, I guess. It's B-U-B-E-R. Uh, this is not a podcast that judges people for mispronouncing words that they read. We're pro-reading. Anyway, he said, uh, we have to get into an I-thou relationship with other people, not an I-it relationship. And fundamentally, that is about recognizing that the person in front of you has the same kind of consciousness and feelings and capacity and uh, for pain and potential for greatness that you do. And so, you know, like all stories, not every character gets a lot of a spotlight. And, uh, you know, this movie's no exception. So I, I would conclude this first point with that. No roads does not mean no responsibility. And you have to always think about the other people who are on the journey with you or who may be following in your path. And, you know, I think Doc and Marty in the end, uh, everything turned out okay, but there's definitely some weird stuff about manipulating people with the power of time travel that, again, 
this is a family podcast, so we can't get into it. Uh, if, you're, if you are going to watch Back to the Future with your family, I would just say pay attention to the rating. It's rated PG, but, but watch the whatever it says at the beginning, you know, when it explains what's going on, because 1985 was different and movies got PG uh, ratings differently. So we're not really a, a trigger warning type of podcast. We're a family podcast. But with every movie that we watch, as always, if you are watching it for the first time and you're sensitive to that kind of thing, please do pay attention to whatever your favorite streaming app or provider has, has decided to alert you to when they give you the up-to-date trigger warnings of the day. Because it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to predict that kind of thing. And I realize that we're, we're going off the road sometimes on this podcast. So I, I don't want you to, to feel like we're steering you uh, on a road you don't want to be on. So with that said, uh, folks, let's take a break for a second. And when we're back, we're going to talk about fate. All right, we're back, folks. So one thing I think uh, this podcast is really all about when we're watching movies and when we're participating in stories uh, in, our, in our lives is you got to pay attention when things jump out at you. You got to pay attention to coincidences. You got to pay attention to your intuition, your gut sense, your felt sense of how things should be. And that's hard to calibrate because it's you. It's, it, it doesn't exist in the language of rationality. It, part of your job as an entrepreneur or a storyteller or a, a person who's interested in your own personal development or maybe helping others with theirs is, is to put the, the, the ineffable into words to, to describe your, your mission and how badly you need this to be, to be the reality in a way that only you understand and making other people not only understand it, but get enthusiastic about it. That's, that's important. And to do that, you have to pay attention to little things. You have to pay attention to little tweaks of vocab, little uh, changes in cultural shifts around you, things that you notice other people are repeating. And so this reminded me, okay, so actually, let me back up a second. So in, in this movie, uh, in Back to the Future, the script does a good job of teaching you to be a careful viewer in the movie and hopefully in your own life as you go along because it calls attention to its own use of repetitive words and their connection to the broader themes of the movie. So a good example of this is uh, the humor of using 80s slang in the 1950s. The movie mines a lot of that kind of cultural, if you saw Mad Men uh, about a decade ago, kind of that kind of tension or irony of somebody from a different time period, you know, the Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court kind of stuff. So one of the things that they do is Marty says the word, this is getting heavy in the 80s sense, like, whoa, this is like, not a bummer, but this is getting serious. Uh, you know, Paul Simon said, when, when numbers get serious, serious numbers are easy to please. You know, I think that song's about the, the heaviness of, of numbers sometimes when, when the math is bearing down on you. And uh, so uh, they, they get a little humorous line. Let's, let's hear it. Um, this movie is such a classic, by the way. You can get the entire movie as a soundboard, just line by line. So shout out movie-sounds.org if you're into this kind of thing. Uh, so here, here's the clip. Um, so Marty says things sound pretty heavy and Doc has a funny, literal, 
response, very characteristic of certain scientist types. Sounds pretty heavy. Well, it has nothing to do with it. So the, they are drawing a, our attention to this word, heavy. Um, and then a few lines later, they repeat it, and Doc says, or Mar Marty, Marty says the word heavy again, and Doc responds, there's that word again. So they're, they're drawing our attention as a viewer to the fact that they, the scriptwriters are themselves repeating this word. And then Doc asks, Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? All right. So why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? And what a great line, man. And that really, for me, immediately evokes uh, a huge, huge influence on, on me. I would say friend of the podcast, Carl Jung, uh, and his statement that until you deal with your subconscious uh, and your unconscious, it will direct your life and, your, and you will call it fate. Until you deal with your shadow, that whatever it is you're, you're not dealing with, you will think it's your fate. You will think it is this, this heavy gravitational pull in the future drawing you to it inexorably, even if the story you are telling is, is the opposite, that you, 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 whatever you're trying to avoid. But somehow it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up, whether it's a person that keeps reminding you of the same person, and even though they never look the same. They always like rhyme emotionally or whether it's the same kind of frustration you feel when you can't quite reach your job your your goal or you can't quite get your your plan together enough for you to quit your job or something like that maybe you're holding on to that job because there's something that you need to explore maybe you keep coming back to these kinds of people because there's something in them that's calling to something in you that you need to work out and so that's that's really my second takeaway from back to the future when the, I feel a little bit like if you've seen sex in the city, Carrie Bradshaw with some of these, but I like it. You know, I always, I never liked sex in the city that much. I haven't seen many episodes, but it was on when I was in college. And so women, you, it is impossible to overstate how popular this show was in the dorms among women. So you did kind of just get a general, it was like one big episode of Sex and the City was always on and they, there is a rhythm to them. And so obviously everyone knows if you know about the show, Carrie, the main uh, character of the show is a writer and she's always ending the show at her laptop, like writing something. I think she has a spoiler alert, a podcast. Oh my gosh. Uh, in the new one. I can't believe, see, these are, this is what happens when you go off the road. Uh, but I didn't mean, I didn't realize the parallels ran that deep, you know, but I can't call that fate. That's my unconscious. I needed to compare myself to Carrie Bradshaw today. Maybe we should, well, this is a movie podcast. Um, but anyway, she always ends on like these, these cheesy, you know, lines like, uh, and now of course I'm blanking, but, uh, the, Basically, the, the reason I don't, I can't remember any of the ones she said because they're all just the same. It's always like, and in doing one thing, was I doing another thing? It, it like, ah, I'm not, you know what? It's so much, so much harder than it looks. I take everything I said back. Respect so much to everybody who made Sex in the City, uh, as my attempt just showed. Uh, you can't make fun of it and nobody can do what 
what the team does. But the reason I'm a little self-conscious, self-conscious about this is my takeaway for my second takeaway from Back to the Future is that when things start to feel heavy, it's probably your baggage. You know what I'm saying? You got to look at your baggage. You might be carrying the weight of a double life when things start feeling heavy. And that's what you need to look at. And that's really what this movie is about. It's, it's very dreamlike. It's, it's very much uh, the story of what the, the children of baby boomers are thinking in 1985 about the past, present, and future. So for me, as an old millennial watching that, uh, there's, there's a lot to think about. I'll be thinking about this for a while because I'm worried if I don't, I will be dealing with my Jungian fate. And so the other thing I would just say is Carl Jung had a cool concept called synchronicities. I doubt he's, he may have actually invented that word, but even if he didn't, he popularized it. And these are like the weird coincidences that defy a linear or rational explanation, but you just start seeing something over and over again. Actually, on the first episode of this podcast, uh, my conversation with Jarek, I think he mentioned that, that phenomenon. Uh, when, once you learn about something, or especially when you start thinking about something, uh, you just start seeing it everywhere. That, those are synchronicities. And uh, again, movies are so good at that because uh, if you're prone to noticing these kinds of things, they, they pack them in. Uh, and Back to the Future is really like a, almost like a Stanley Kubrick movie in terms of what's going on in the background with the symbolism of the various art and slogans and stores and the town square and things like that. Um, and so I, I think like a great piece of art, whatever it's hitting back at you, pay attention to that. Whatever you start thinking about that you can't quite explain when there's a weird moment in a movie and you're like, whoa, that, that reminds me of my mother or like something like that. Or it, it doesn't really make sense. That's what you got to sit with because that therein lies your fate, your shadow. It's in your baggage. So when things feel heavy, it's probably your baggage. Back to the Future 2 takeaway. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the, the big moment in Back to the Future, the funny, the cool little riff on history that they play. So Marty, uh, Michael J. Fox's character, he's a high school student, he's a cool guy, but one of his deals is that he has to learn a little more self-confidence about his guitar. He seems to have inherited his father's predilection for letting the fear of failure or bad, when I say bad, I mean feedback that indicates that you're not where you want to be or that you're not reaching your goal yet, that you have room for improvement. People reading your stories and not liking them. People hearing your band and thinking you're too loud or something like that. And of course, you can't let this stop you. You can't stay, if you're Doc Brown, you can't stay in the garage forever. And I say that, I'm in my garage. That's where I work. Uh, one of my favorite books, if you're more of a solopreneur, highly, highly, highly recommend Company of One uh, by Paul Jarvis. In, and he works in his garage and he has for decades when he's writing the book, despite being very, very successful. And there's something about being down on the ground in the garage that I love. I love this movie actually opens up with the garage and Marty's shoes are the first thing you see sort of establishing him as the more grounded character uh, to Doc Brown's mad scientist up in the clouds. But of course, at some point, Marty's got a sore and he's got to get out of the garage and... Uh, when that happens, you have to remember 
my third takeaway from Back to the Future, which is that uh, feedback is always some sort of communication, whether or not you can understand it. And so you've always got to consider whether your feedback is more about your performance or the audience's, and then realize that it's always going to be about a balance between the two. So by the time he gets to the past, the 1950s, through a lot of hijinks and coincidences, of course, it wouldn't be an 80s movie if it didn't end with the main character in a position to play just a rocking guitar solo. That was like the coolest thing you could do in the 80s, was just make your whole school rock out. And you know what? It's probably still the coolest thing you could do. But kids nowadays want to play music on their dang laptops. But you can still rock, you can still rock out on a laptop, believe me. Um, anyway, so Marty gets to play. He technically invented retroactively Chuck Berry's sound. Again, people who are much, much more capable of looking at that through the, a more modern lens of historical inequities and, and cultural credit, I would say, would note what, what I also noted, which is that's a weird aspect of um, the white male boomer fantasy that we should all interrogate. But it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with wanting to play your solo and wanting to, to rock out to the music that's influenced you. I don't mean to suggest that, that Marty McFly is you know, to be vilified for this, but he does rock out too hard. So let's hear it. Here we go. Oh man, I'm rocking. See, to me, that's it's jamming, but audience doesn't care. There's nothing. And so what does Marty say? I can't guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are going to love it. Ha, 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 So, you know, everyone in 1985 who knows that that sounds like a cool 80s guitar solo is like, yeah, we will love it. Um, and our parents weren't as cool as us. And, th you know, things like that. Uh, we we would have been hip to the coolest music back then. I love that about, you know, like the 90s revivals now. As someone who was actually alive and paying attention to some of the eras that are now uh, the subject of nostalgia, it's a weird, weird experience. Just everyone assumes they would have listened to Nirvana. I'm going to tell you they wouldn't have. And so it's important to remember, uh, and this is a, a concept I've seen in a lot of public speaking advice, a lot of work advice in general, a lot of marketing advice. But your feedback is always a communication. Whatever you're getting back from your audience or your interlocutor or someone reading your writing or your business plan, somebody you're pitching to, if it's what you wanted, if it's what you hoped, if it's the best feedback beyond your wildest dreams or something so far out of left field, you wonder if they're even talking about, you know, if you're even talking about the same thing. That's communication. That may be a communication that you are not a good communicator. It may be a communication that it's more important to you to get out something that you feel than it is to have it land on the audience, in which case I would say don't confuse the urge to create something with the urge to publish it. Uh, that's something a lot of creative people, especially in the era of social media, struggle with. What do you keep to yourself? What solos do you keep in the garage uh, versus what do you play at the school dance? 
And, you know, you can't blame Marty. He didn't get to play before. He had never played uh, at a school dance in the 80s. His band was judged too loud back in the 80s. Um, and, you know, like the, the Weezer song, speaking of the 90s, in the garage reminds us, you know, in the garage I feel safe. No one laughs about my ways. There's no audience to look at you weird and not clap when your solo goes too far. But like Weezer, even if it's just uh, recording a song about being in a garage, you've got to put it out there. I, I really, you know, obviously I'm reminded of that as I sit in my garage talking about my garage. This is the In the Garage episode, maybe, of this podcast. Um, if we had closing credits, that would probably be the song playing over it. But my point is, I'm going to go out of the garage. We're going to record this, or we are recording. We're going to hit stop, and we're going to put this out into the time stream, and we're going to capture whoever I was today when I recorded this to do my best for you all. I hope I did well. Uh, but if I didn't, I know somebody's going to tell me, and I've got to take that as a communication. Now, it may be from somebody who isn't ready for it yet. Uh, it may be from somebody who's 75 years old, and I'll say literally, well, maybe your kids will like it. Maybe your 40-year-old kids, it'll hit them uh, you know, a, a little more squarely. That may be true, or it may be the case that I said, um, too much. I said, you know, it was very distracting, timeless advice that I really need to hear. And if that's distracting from my larger takeaways about no roads not meaning no responsibility, about when things feel heavy, it's probably your baggage, about feedback always being communication, but it might be about you, it might be about the audience. If those points aren't getting across because I'm not a good communicator, I need to listen to that feedback, even if it's imperfect, even if I can what about it, even if I can say, well, you're just not ready for it. There's usually some kind of kernel of truth there. Maybe Marty should have kept his eyes open a little bit more. Yeah, maybe it's hard for him to play with his eyes open to really get that feeling. So that's something to go back to the garage and practice with. The point is you need to open your eyes to that feedback. You can't just shut your eyes uh, to whatever kind of communication you're getting. So on that note, drop us a line if you have any thoughts about this, if you have any movies you think you'd like us to cover any interesting experiences you've had with Back to the Future or anything else we've talked about, please do. This podcast is available wherever fine podcasts are. So I'm um, sure we'll, we'll find each other when, when our paths and roads intersect as they're meant to. Thanks for stopping by, folks. Next week, we're going to be talking Devil Wears Prada. Very exciting, very exciting. And the week after that, we're going to be talking Dune. So let's go ahead and get those on the list if you want to watch them beforehand. But as always, we're not going to spoil them for you too much. Uh, rule of reason as always, but definitely those are both. I've only seen like half of Devil Wears Prada, but I'm excited to watch the full one. And Dune is excellent uh, and one of the best books I think ever written. So get on those if you're interested. If not, come back anyway. I promise we'll have a good discussion whether or not you've seen the movies. That's always our goal, to use these movies as an interesting soundboard for good discussions about how we can tell better stories, how we can understand the stories in our lives and the stories of the people around us. Thanks for being part of our story this week. We'll see you next week. Bye. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.